Arizona Sports, Sports. the local sports sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. All right, Sam Ring is in for Gambo on this Wednesday afternoon. We are at the turn here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're halfway home, which means it's time to hit the reset button, stop down the show for a minute, and just tell you everything that's going on in sports, all of it from top to bottom. That's what we do here during the 4 o'clock reset. We're going to start with the Cardinals. We just got done telling you we're not going to make excuses about the injuries, but we are going to tell you about the guys who didn't practice today because they were back kind of on the field today. It was a walkthrough today given the short turnaround after the Monday night game. Your injury report is as such. These players did not practice or at least wouldn't have practiced if it was a full one. Greg Dortch, no. Byron Murphy, no. DJ Humphreys, Charles Washington, Zach Ertz, Rondell Moore, none of them practiced today or would have practiced today if they had a full one. Max Garcia, Tristan Hill, and Colt McCoy were limited during practice. I'll say this about Rondell Moore. Cliff Kingsbury had already said today that he doesn't think Rondell's going to be ready to go in time for Sunday's game. Whereas with Dorch, it's more of a pain tolerance thing with his thumb. It's going to be kind of up to him. And Hollywood Brown is still a giant we'll see for Sunday's game against the Chargers. And if it's any indication about how they feel not only about Rondell Moore, but Greg Dorch. Remember Pharaoh Cooper from Kyler's rookie season? Caught a touchdown pass. He's back on the practice squad in position to be standard elevated on Saturday. Now, as the kids say, Kyler Murray was a full go today. And Cliff Kingsbury talked about his availability for Sunday's game against LA. He looked good today, so I'm feeling good about the chances. I think if we didn't let him, we may have a fist fight in my office at this point. So I feel like he's definitely training in the right direction. Do you think Hard Knocks would be able to show the fist fight if it went down? Only if they shot it. By the way, who would you like in a fist fight, Cliff versus Kyler? I mean, listen, Kyler's scrappy, but Cliff's a big dude now. That should be the poll question tomorrow. <laughs> who, would oh, win in a, who would win in a fight? Because, you know, <laughs> nothing says turkey stuffing and family like, who would win in a fist fight between the head coach and the quarterback? Man, that's that's hey, man. sheer gratitude hey, right they there, almost man. Went, almost went to blows on that Thursday night game. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, in all seriousness, Farrell Cooper uh, is back uh, on the practice squad. It's funny. funny that Kyler's full go today when at least one report had him out until... The Patriots Monday night game. He was was, in mid December. Oh, suddenly we didn't look so good mm -hmm. with our backup quarterback. It's like that got accelerated, didn't it? No more resting him for an abundance of caution, indeed, as they used to say. Indeed. So we will see what he's able to do, but it certainly sounds like Kyler Murray is trending to play around the NFL. uh, The Jets head coach Robert Sala announced that the second. Overall pick just a couple of years ago, Zach Wilson benched in favor of Mike White against the Chicago Bears this Sunday. Boy, he says this doesn't impact Zach Wilson's long-term future with the Jets. I don't see how it can't when you're getting benched for Mike White halfway through your second year. He also said Zach Wilson did not lose the locker room. Mm. Bernsey, I got news for you. We're how many thousand miles away and don't even cover that team? Zach Wilson lost the locker room. We've been, you and I have been in a lot of locker rooms that have been lost. Oh, he lost that locker room. When players anonymously go to the media to rip the quarterback, that is like, that's the last straw. That's, that's it. Yeah. 
Sam Darnold is going to start for the Carolina Panthers on Sunday against the Broncos. The Rams cut leading rusher Daryl Henderson Jr. yesterday. I say leading rusher. He had like 287 yeah, yards. Did he have 17 yards? Season. I mean, it wasn't. It's not saying a whole lot. Well, they lot drafted there. Kyron Williams, the great tailback out of Notre Dame last year, so they probably want to give him, him the ball a lot more. I think the they're actually going to give him the ball. I think they are too. <laughs> Phoenix Suns last night. Mikel Bridges, Devin Booker each scored 25 points, albeit in very different fashions, as the Suns beat the LA Lakers 115-105. The Suns were without point guard Chris Paul for their seventh straight game. They've now beaten the Lakers five straight times in regular season play, eight straight if you count the postseason, and no, we're not going to count the preseason games either. And of course, it got tense during the game as well. Patrick Beverly, a body block of DeAndre Ayton when he wasn't looking after a foul on Booker. And after the game, Devin Booker to Chris Haynes of TNT. Man, it's just more than it was supposed to be. Um, Pat needs to stop pushing people in the back, man. Push them in the chest. That's all I got to say. Still awaiting word from the NBA about a suspension for one Pat Bev. I got to imagine one's coming. One is coming. The only question is how many games. Normally it would be one, but you're talking about a repeat offender. You're talking about a guy who's done this before to the same team, mind you, has a history of crossing the line in his role as an agitator to begin with. He broke Devin Booker's nose. Yep. People kind of forget about that one. That bloodbath in that Clipper series. The, uh, little headbutt to Booker playing some half-court defense. No doubt about it. Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge, the big free agent prize for any baseball team this offseason. The Giants are one of the clear suitors for him, according to reports. He is not only in San Francisco, but they are going after him hard, and then an offer might come by the end of the week from the Giants for Aaron Judge. They actually put him in contact with Steph Curry's camp in hopes that the Golden State Warriors star can convince Aaron Judge to choose San Francisco when it's all said and done. He grew up about 90 miles east of downtown San Francisco. Yeah, went to Stanford, right? Or no, he had offers to go to Stanford. Offers to go to Stanford. Offers to go to Stanford, yeah. 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 Yeah, So that's obviously home for him. Bryce Harper had Tommy John surgery today. Now, before you start thinking the worst, because he's an outfielder and not a pitcher, the expectation is that he will begin hitting in five months. So the belief from what I'm reading on social media is that he might miss half the season, maybe a little less than half the season for the defending National League champion Philadelphia Phillies. All right, there you go. Yep. Coyotes going to face the Carolina Hurricanes tonight at 5 o'clock. You'll hear that game on ESPN 620 in the Arizona Sports app. Coyotes also made a trade with the Maple Leafs today. They acquired six foot nine center Curtis Douglas and they gave up defenseman Connor Timmons. College football playoffs. Did you say 6'9"? Six, 6'9". Nine? Six, nine. Six foot nine. Big dude out there. Bill Armstrong likes his very, very tall hockey players. Apparently he does. A 6'9 hockey hockey player. Yeah, I did say that. I did say that. (laughs) Top four teams uh, in last week's college football playoff poll remain the same this week. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan. Number four, TCU. LSU improved to number five. USC is number six. And, of course, this weekend we should get a little more clarity, certainly in the top four. Ohio State's playing Michigan. At the big house in Columbus, or not uh, not the big house, the no, big house in Columbus. Michigan. It's yeah. in Columbus this year. Their house is big too, but it, yes. Yes, the horseshoe. I'm sorry, I got horseshoe. my horseshoe and my big house mixed up for a moment. And then, of course, USC taking on Notre Dame. It's a big weekend in college football with the rivalries and with a chance to get a little bit of order when it comes to the college football playoffs. That, uh, that college football top four is going to be interesting because obviously Michigan or Ohio State have to lose. Really good chance LSU in the five hole will lose to Georgia. And the SEC championship game. So if USC can win out, 
They're in. Bernsey, they're, they're in. in. If now, they, if, having if, said if, that, if the scenario you just described unfolds, they're in. Well, it's impossible for the Michigan-Ohio State game to not produce a loser. So that's going to unfold that way. Could LSU upset Georgia? Absolutely. But if you're USC, you got to feel pretty good about Georgia winning that football game. So you're saying to yourselves, we got two games to win to make the playoffs in Lincoln Riley's first season. That would be, uh, granted, you know, get, tip your cap to the transfer portal. But what a turnaround for Lincoln Riley and the and really the Pac-12. Yeah, the, the games they'd have to win, Notre Dame, obviously, and then the Pac-12 championship game, which again, remember this year is different. It's not North versus South. It's the two best teams. Now, Oregon controls their destiny. They beat Oregon State. It's going to be Oregon versus USC in that game. Oregon loses to Oregon State. Now you're talking about Washington or Utah. So obviously the, the bigger, tougher matchup, the better for USC to impress the committee. But I think you're right. Now, if LSU wins and beats Georgia, now you're talking about two SEC teams and somebody's going to get left out and somebody's... Because Clemson could be sitting there in 11-1 and ACC champ. Potentially. And they're... But USC, listen, easier said than done. Notre Dame is... Oh, not, yeah. Notre well, Dame this, is not the Notre Dame that lost to Marshall. It is not. As Clemson. It is not going to be easy for USC to win out. There's no doubt. It is not going to be easy at all. Oh, it's, it's going to be a fun weekend, Burns. <laughs> college football all weekend. We got college hoops. By the way, U of A up by nine. I was just pl- looking up the score. It's yep. on in here, but they're at a commercial break. 39-30 over Creighton. Ooh. Now that's at the Maui Classic, right? Or is well, no, I got an updated score. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. 45-32. They just started the second half. So they're by 13 to win the Maui Invitation. Crane's a top 10 team, yeah, people. Don't, sl- don't sleep on the Blue Jays now. Tommy Lloyd. <laughs> Tommy Lloyd. <laughs> when we come back, why, Patrick Beverly, why do you have to do the things you do? What is it about you that makes you do the things you do? We'll psychoanalyze Pat Bev and his relationship with the Suns next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Sam Rang's in for Gambo today here on the Burns and Gambo show. Last night, it was a TNT game, so you got all the reaction post-game. But the biggest reaction of them all came from Devin Booker. He's being interviewed by Chris Haynes after the game. Suns win. They beat the Lakers by 10. Pat Bev is ejected because he blindsided DeAndre Eaton after he was kind of standing over a Lakers player after a hard foul. And when asked about when asked about Pat Bev getting ejected, Booker delivered the line of the night. Man, it's just more than it was supposed to be. Um, Pat needs to stop pushing people in the back, man. Push them in the chest. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> to which to which there was a reaction now from Patrick Beverly in the locker room after the game. Devin Booker told TNT that if you're gonna continue to push people, you should push them in the chest and not in the back. Obviously, yeah, I'm not you know, I'm not going yeah, I'm not going back and forth with uh with all of that. Well why not? But I mean why not? Yeah, Pat, you started it. <laughs> he started it. He started it. Pat, you started it. I mean, address it. You this is twice now in the last year and a half where you've blatantly, willfully pushed a Phoenix Suns player in the back when they weren't expecting it. Defend your actions all you want as being a foxhole guy and a guy who's always going to stand up for your team. You can't do that. You can't do that. Answer the question. 
What is it about you pushing guys in the back? Why don't you push guys in the front where they can at least see it coming? Because he's got nothing to say. He, there's no, there's no way he can defend himself. I know. And he's not going to go have a war of words with Devin Booker back and forth, which is probably smart at this point. Try to kill the story as much as you can because you're, you're the bad guy in this one. Devin Booker did get a flagrant fall on that. In fact, I was noticing earlier in the game, this has really nothing to do with what happened, or maybe a little it does. Devin Booker looked almost... Uh, he almost took it personal that they that Austin Reeves was guarding him. Boy, he went at him yeah. with a vengeance in that game. You know what? Last I, night. I, you did the post-game show. I'm glad you said this. Because one thing I noticed, I wasn't there at the arena. One thing I noticed, though, about watching that game, he picked up Devin Booker three fouls in the fourth quarter. Uh, almost. And the one against Austin Reeves did have a little bit of a Booker personal-ish kind of feeling to it. Like, he didn't just block the shot. There was a little extra there was, and arm then, action in there. Like it, it, it almost seemed like Devin Booker was on a little bit of edge last night, late in that game. Those three fouls happened in a hurry. It was almost like he didn't... Not that he was trying to foul out, but you know, like, he was playing with an extra level of aggression no, last night, I and, thought. And I noticed that in the first quarter of the game like it, in fact he was he was so out for blood against Reeves that he actually missed his first four shots it's almost like did Reeves call Kendall Jenner behind his back and he was very upset with him out there in LA something going on in Calabasas that we don't know about who had, who no, had the first Kendall Jenner reference at 421 mark you win the office but, pool but book book when he fouled him, Book would admit this because he did it in front of 17,000 people. When he, when he fouled him at the end there, kind of stood over him for a little bit and stared at him. But then walked away, like almost knew the limit of taunting before he got teed up himself. But he actually did get a flagrant foul. What was odd was Burns, Aiton was nowhere near Reeves and Booker when this went down. So somehow Aiton walked over and also stood over Reeves, and that's what Patrick Beverly didn't like. And I'm not going to say that DeAndre Ayton, not that he had it coming. I wouldn't say that. He didn't have that coming. But certainly DeAndre Ayton had something coming his way, right? Because he was... Nowhere near the play, to your point. All of a sudden, he was there. All of a sudden, he was there standing over him, almost nudging at him with his foot a little bit. Kicking him when he's down. And and I've watched the replay now, like a lot of Suns fans, 10,000 times, it feels like. And there is this element of... Why are you standing there, DeAndre? What, what are, what are, now, again, none of that justifies what Pat Beth did. None of it at no, no, all. No. But it, there was a very, like, of all the people to stand over a guy and taunt, one, I wouldn't have pegged DeAndre Ayton to be that guy. And number two, I certainly wouldn't have pegged Ayton to be that guy when he wasn't even involved in the play. That's what was so bizarre it was about weird. it. weird. And if Pat Bev would have just went up to DeAndre Ayton and faced him man-to-man and pushed him in the chest and said, don't stand over our guy, I don't think Pat Beverly's arch enemy number one. Again, I think he's literally standing up, standing for, his, up for, his for his guy. But it's the jack in the back when a guy's not looking, which is a punk move. I, one more quick thing. Sure. When Ayton was standing over Reeves on the ground, and you're right, he was kind of nudging him with his foot, or and Ayton pretending like my foot was stuck under him, which is weird because when he fell down, you were nowhere near there. <laughs> Anthony Davis was standing right next to DeAndre Ayton. Didn't do a thing. And didn't do a thing. Didn't but then, do a thing. But then in the locker room, 
Then AD got tough. We're not going to let a guy just, you know, stand over our, our man like that. You were letting DeAndre Ayton do it. Here's, you were right there. I'm so glad you pointed that out. Here's AD after the game. And, right, you talk about the fake tough guy routine. So, like, he was standing standing over him, over Austin. And, you know, he did what he should do was just having his teammates back. So, um, but what were you doing? You didn't have his you back. You were standing right there. You were five inches from Ayton. <laughs> and it didn't bother you. In fact, at first I thought... Maybe Aiton didn't deserve anything, but then the fact that the officials teed up eight and two makes me think that, okay, maybe Aiton was crossing the line in that one instance. Still doesn't excuse what Beverly did, but clearly the officials thought Aiton was out of line too, so I, yeah. I tend to think, well, maybe DA was. But a- yeah, Anthony Davis, really? You were right there. Yeah, really. You're gonna. You're you gonna, were right there. You're gonna talk to tough guy. Talk about how we're never gonna let anyone stand over our teammate. You did, and he's like a foot taller than Patrick Beverly. <laughs> right, but Beverly, this is, and they 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 had a great conversation like they usually do on Inside the NBA on TNT. Kenny Smith after the game. His mo is I need to be the tough guy on the team, and if Reeds wasn't on the floor, that he. Two it, it's bit. always it's always it's it's a posturing like we're not gonna be soft. I'm going to be the guy to do it. You brought me in here to do that. Not even just do that, but just bring tough-minded and toughness to the team. Cheap shot, though. Yeah, well, I mean, of course. Of course. And a one-game suspension, you reckon? Of course. And he knows that. You he knows it, but ways to look he's at like, it. that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> you reckon? You reckon? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't heard good you you reckon in a, in a long time. You reckon? Ernie Johnson. There you go, EJ. My broadcast hero right there. Love EJ. Oh, he's greatest studio show of all time. EJ's the he is, he is. I know everybody gets infatuated with Chuck on that show and the Chuck Shack thing and all that stuff. Man, to 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 hold a show like that together the way From he does. Standpoint. Oh my gosh, he's like a maestro every single night. Um, look, I hope it's not just one game. I, I really do. I, I'm sure it's probably just going to be one game. <laughs> Oh, I, 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 I hope know. you're right. I hope you're right. Because this, this, when you look at what he did, and then you side-by-side it with what he did against Chris Paul during that series, pushing him in the back, what he did to Devin Booker in that same series, blooding it up his nose. And, you know, remember that whole series, Booker had to play with a face mask, and he wasn't quite himself. And Pat Bev was, okay, James can say... Pepev's not in their heads, and maybe he's not now. He was during that series against the Clippers. There's no denying he impacted that series with his ability to kind of get under their skin a little bit. I think the league's got to do something more than just a game on Pepev because he is a serious repeat offender when it comes to this organization. I'd be surprised if they didn't. You have to... In an instance like this, it can't just be isolated. It can't just be on an island. Like, okay, if you push a guy, you get a one-game suspension. You have to factor in a, a, a player's track record yeah, and their past history. And that's why I expect this to be probably more like two or three games. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, there was more information revealed today about Sean Coogler's dismissal from the Arizona Cardinals. And it kind of begs the question, at what point are the Cardinals going to do something about everything that's happened to them in the last few weeks? We'll explain more next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Tim Rings filling in for Gambo on this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're if traveling, is it your plans now or at some point tonight or tomorrow? Please be safe, obviously, and get where you're going so that everybody can enjoy their Thanksgiving and all that stuff. It's good to have Tim in. It's always fun to have Tim filling in for Gambo. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. 
Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll update. Presented by Sanderson Ford. This is in for Eric, who's out sick today. Mitch, you've got... Uh, you I would have been in anyway. Yeah, you would have, but yeah. you wouldn't have been doing this. No. You've got our poll question. We just had our big pet bev conversation yeah. in the last segment. What do you got? Yeah, so let's uh, dovetail into that. Yes. Is that the expression? I believe so. So let's dovetail from that conversation into this question today. Segway? 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 Dovetail? Dovetail? Transition? Yeah, it's, there's a you lot any other big words? I'm, I'm out of big words. Or yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm an, no. All I'm, right. Here's, here's the words I will use then. Who is the least likable opponent in Phoenix Suns history? Robert Ori, John Paxson, Mario Ellie, or Patrick Beverly are the four options we have today. There are obviously many other options we could have chosen. Some Suns fans on Twitter were, were upset. They're, they're, so, they're so angry at these people. They were upset that their guys weren't on the list. I know, right? They're upset at us for Where's not Mario putting Ginobili? the right guy on the I list. Even, I even saw a Tim Tonaghy comment earlier. <laughs> Robert Ori, still. Pat Bev, not my favorite human being right now, but Robert Ori definitely is first on that list for me. Still. I can see why. Yeah. Survey says? Survey is still with you right now, Bernsey. 58.2% say Robert Ori. Patrick Beverly has slipped a bit. 37.5% in the voting. John Paxson picked up a little bit of steam. 3.8%. Not a lot of steam, but enough steam. And then 0.6% for Ellie. Okay, Mario Ellie with a kiss. Not getting a lot of love. So Paxson's ahead of Ellie. Did, did yes. I hear that yeah. right? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, the, the Ellie kiss, the the three in them. Oh. Ellie was giving love. He's not getting it back right yeah, now. Yeah, no, he's blowing kisses. And uh. was the uh, When Paxson made that shot, was the belief that if it got to a game seven, that was the Suns game? I never believed that. Because I, I, you know who on the other side yeah, of the court? I, I yeah. never thought the Suns would have won a Game 7 against the Chicago Bulls. That's why I don't put him number one on that list. Yeah. I, I think if Paxson doesn't hit the shot, the Suns probably lose in Game 7 because you know who's on the other side. That's why, to me, Ori is number one on that list because I think of all of those four guys, he is the one who truly, legitimately cost them a championship. And nobody else on that list, even yeah. Mario Eli to a certain extent, I, I don't know if the Suns, they were so unfocused that year, I don't know if they would have won one, but yeah. Um, there was the Sean Coogler news that obviously happened uh, yesterday was when the news broke that he had been dismissed from the team. An incident uh, Sunday night when he was sent home. We found out today from Josh Weinfuss of ESPN.com that he was uh, groping a woman in Mexico City on Sunday night. The Mexican authorities informed the Cardinals. The Cardinals basically dismissed him, per the report, dismissed him on the site, uh, on the spot, I should say, and sent him home on Monday morning. Um, It has been, I was texting with a friend of mine yesterday. It has been a long season for the Cardinals. It's been a long year. For the Cardinals, and when you think about everything that has happened in 2022, it has been a really long year for an organization that, that should be at this point really, and I hope they still are, proud about hosting the Super Bowl. You know, this is their year. To, okay, the game is back for the first time in seven years. Showcase franchise. Absolutely, yep. yeah. And, and yet it has been, whether it's Eno or whether it's been Sean Coogler or whether it's been that awful loss on Monday Night Football, the, the Troy Aikman comments to a national audience. It had us talking earlier, and we've got some time now to, to spread our legs about this a little bit. 
on exactly when it all becomes too much to bear for the Cardinals organization and they decide they need to do something serious about it. And we're not advocating that they do this. We're just wondering at what point it comes to that, you know? you got to try to figure out what Mike Bidwell is thinking at this point. Mike plays his his cards close to the vest. He's not a Jerry Jones that has a radio show, gives press conferences. So we're left to kind of wonder what the owner may be thinking. Now, I get it. A lot of Cardinal fans, with the extensions and some of the decisions lately, they put a lot of this on the owner, as well as the GM and the head coach. I'm sure if Mike were sitting right here, he'd probably say, you know, I have I have made mistakes along the way. I'm, I'm not perfect. The Sean Coogler thing, Bernsey, isolated is, is bad enough. That's such a disappointing story. We talked about it earlier. The decision-making, the bad decision-making at that point when your team is 24 hours away from playing the biggest football game of the year is just, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. I did say earlier, and I want to reiterate, I don't think it's Cliff Kingsbury's fault that Sean Coogler did this. Mm-hmm. Cliff's not a babysitter. Sean Coogler's a grown man, 56 years of age. He made a mistake, a bad mistake. It's going to affect a lot of people. That's not Cliff's fault, per se, or at all. Not even per se. But I am going to follow this up with a but, because this is now one of many instances within a football team that you wonder about the culture if you're the owner, or he should be wondering about it. You got not one, but two assistant coaches that have been let go for similar transgressions, mm-hmm. domestic violence and, and, and you know, inappropriate sexual conduct last night or Sunday night in Mexico. To a lesser degree, much lesser degree, you've got your quarterback telling the head coach to calm the F down during a game. Mm-hmm. You've got your running back, your number two running back, having an altercation with an assistant coach. He needed to be terminated immediately, cut, if you will. Uh, Antonio Hamilton giving up on a play in a game. Troy Aikman, one of the most prominent color commentators in the game, calls your organization embarrassing, mm-hmm. an embarrassing play. Got Kyler and Hop yelling at each other on the sideline. You've lost five of your, or you've only won five of your last seventeen games. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm putting all this in in one big bag because this is the Arizona Cardinals organization right now. And if you're Mike Bidwell and you say to yourself, "This is this is a culture that I, that's no longer acceptable," and when you when you change culture, culture, you, you got to point to your leadership room. Sure. What else did you do? I mean, I mean, Mike's Mike's the owner of the football team. This is his team, and he has to look at it right now and say, at some point, enough stuff's going to happen where it's like this can't continue. And I use the old analogy: time to back up the truck. And I don't know if we're at that point yet. But as we sit here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, it's fair to question right now what point Mike's at. And is this now enough? Is this the last straw? Can't blame Cliff Kingsbury for Sean Cooler and what he did in Mexico City. But again, you have a whole lot of bad stuff going on with this organization. And you're not winning football games. Yeah, it's, it is fair to wonder how much is too much. It is fair to wonder what is that breaking point? What is that threshold? At what point does it happen? I, I, I think all of this, I think all of this is, is very fair to wonder because it has been, 
it's been pervasive and it's been building. I mean, it. I look. I, I'm not in that building. I, I'm not. I'm not within those walls. I don't know. It, it feels from here like chaos right now, right? It it, it feels like. Uh, can you imagine? You're a player just trying to make your way through the NFL. You're a leader on that team, or maybe you're, you're even not a leader. You're you're just one of the 53 guys, and you're trying to navigate your way through like. You know, we, we've all worked in places where, oh my, what's going to happen today, right? What's next? What's, and it's got that kind of feel to it right now where it just feels like it's uh, the, the metaphor I used yesterday was like a car hitting a patch of ice on the road and you've just, your hands might be on the wheel, your foot might be on the brake, but you've got no control over that thing at all. And it kind of feels like that's the stage the Cardinals are at right now. And I, I don't, I, I, I'm with you. I don't know how much more before Michael says, I, 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 this has to change. He's a prideful guy. Uh, he, I think he believes in excellence and doing everything the right way. I watch how, when you're over at the organization, I watch how the Cardinals employees carry themselves. It's, it's like the Army over there. I mean, they are well-dressed, they are well-behaved, and boy, they are on their P's and Q's. I think Mike runs a tight ship. And I think from an organization standpoint, I've worked in a lot of markets, covered a lot of teams. Like Mark, Mark Dalton and his team over there, I, all straight A's, aces, good people. Totally so agree. I think, so I th- there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot that is right with the culture in that organization over there. But on the football side of things, obviously there's not a lot right at all right now. And I just, I know at some point it's going to be a situation where Mike Bidwell slams his hands on the desk like I just did there and said, that's it. That's it. This, this, we're done here. Yeah. I, I, we, I can't go on like this. I can't keep writing checks and green light and this and that when this is happening. You know, you and I were joking before the show. The 90, the, the 90s Cowboys had all kinds of culture problems, right? They, those guys were running wild. I mean, the, lawless. the, the drugs and it the was, women. It was, it was a lawlessness. Yeah. But, but they won. Yeah. So on top of all this, and you can't win football games, that's when at some point somebody has to say enough is enough. Yep, it's been, it's been a week. It's been more than a week. When we come back, it's a big weekend in the NFL. College football starts tomorrow with a shockingly Excellent slate of Thanksgiving Day football games. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. I say shockingly good Thanksgiving slate of games because if we're being honest about it, the last few years it feels like the Thanksgiving Day games have been terrible. I got I got one really good game, one pretty good game, and then another one that might be sneaky decent when it's all said and done. The sneaky decent one, Bills at the Lions. That's the morning game tomorrow. Lions play hard. Dan Campbell, I mean, they're not the best team in the world, and certainly the Bills are an elite franchise, but they haven't been playing their best football the last couple of weeks, and of course that game's in Detroit. That one might be oddly competitive for a little bit. The the game of the day is the seven and three Giants against the seven and three Cowboys. Now, I don't think that much of the Giants. No, smoke but, and mirrors this but year. But they're seven and three, right? I mean, that's in terms of the hierarchy of the NFC. That's a really important game for both of those teams. Yep. And then the nightcap, 
the Patriots against the Vikings. Again, the Patriots are kind of a boring football team to watch, but they're six and four. The Vikings are six and two. Those are three really good games coming up. Three decent games coming up tomorrow. I'm excited about watching football. You are. You're you're fired up. Your voice is getting high. Usually these games suck. (laughs) Usually these games are no good. Because usually. We always Dallas have to watch. No good. Yeah, usually the, the Cowboys no and the Lions yeah, sucks, and you're stuck watching them. These games are decent. What, I'm, I'm pretty excited. What about do them. you think? What do you think about the traditional Lions Thanksgiving Day? Would you Would you be okay if they, you know, <laughs> didn't just hand these guys a Thanksgiving Day game? Every, I mean, you know what's funny? They've okay. got one playoff win in like 50 years. <laughs> I'll tell you what I think about the Lions and the and the this is this is gonna sound really odd. And you're a you're a Midwestern guy, and I, I get it. Detroit's more like upper Midwest. It's but close enough. It's close enough. It's kind of the Midwest. <laughs> Man, there's something about watching the Lions, their helmet, their colors, whatever it might be, it makes me feel like I'm a kid again. I don't know. It reminds me of being a kid. I, I can't explain it. Like every time I watch their highlights, I don't go seeking out Detroit Lion games. But I, I think part of me would actually miss watching the Lions a little bit on Thanksgiving morning. It's always the morning game. It's always the first one, and it's just—it's the weirdest thing, Ringer. It, it makes right. me feel like a kid again a little bit watching the Lions. It's like you're back home in your jammies watching Eric Hipple, yeah, yeah exactly. handing the ball Eric off to Kramer and then Barry Sanders, and there's the whole crew. I'm not a Lions fan. I don't—I don't care one way or another about them. But there is something about like remember when we were kids. And those little the, the 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 NFL pencils that we used to have as kids, or even the like the little helmets helmets that yeah. we used to have. Yeah, sure. Man, every time I watch the Lions, I think about those little helmets, or I think about those little pencils. I don't know why, so and the, so I'd be fine with them staying on. All right. So the the fact that it's always been there, they're always there. It reminds you of Thanksgiving's past, and. Remember when they used to wear those silver helmets and the dark blue jerseys and Barry Sanders was unstoppable oh, on yeah. Thanksgiving? Yeah. yeah. John Madden with his it's big weird. It's turducken. It's really, now, yeah. the, the Cowboys, I could care less about watching the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, but I hate the Cowboys. I, I don't, I don't, that, that to me is, I like the Lions tradition. I don't really care that much about the Cowboys and their tradition on Thanksgiving. It's weird, but I hate the Cowboys. I would say after what the Cowboys did last week, I would expect, even though that is on paper as being the, the best game of the day, Record-wise, I would be shocked if that actually wasn't the biggest blowout of the day. I think the Cowboys right now have got it stuck on automatic, as they used to say. They are rolling, and I think the Giants are about as bad a 7-3 and three team in the history of the league yeah. as 7-3 and three teams go. You might not be wrong. Around the league, um, there are there are games with implications. Um, I, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but a game with implications, the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Washington Commanders in the NFC. Falcons are 5-6, and six, the Commanders are 6-5. and five. There are implications with that game. Uh, the Bengals and the Titans play on Sunday morning. There are huge implications for that game in the AFC. Um, I'm looking at the other games that, that matter. The Buccaneers, after having the bye week, they got the Browns. Nobody cares about the Browns, but the Bucks are fighting for their lives in the NFC right now. Uh, the Eagles taking on the Packers. I mean, the Packers are 4-7, and seven, just like the Cardinals. Does anybody give them a prayer of getting back into the NFC, especially when they've got to play Aaron Rodgers playing through a broken thumb? They've got to play the 9-1 and Eagles on Sunday. No, they're going to be 4-8 and eight coming out of that game. I saw that today. Rodgers said he broke his thumb in Week 5. He's been playing with a broken thumb. He looks like he's been playing with a broken thumb. <laughs> the way he's throwing the football. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, the Packers, what do they have? 
back to back to back 13 win seasons, something like that, with, with, with Matt LaFleur. I mean, they made it to the NFC Championship game a few years ago, and then two years in a row, actually, and then we're a playoff team last year, and boy, it just goes off the cliff. Um, I'm just, I'm Googling real quick to see. Because I think you're right. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's. I think he's, he's been Matt Lafleur's fourth year. His first two years, they went to the NFC yep. Championship game. Thirteen and three, thirteen and three, thirteen and four under Matt Lafleur. Man, man. Well, you lose Devontae Adams and you don't replenish the cupboard. And Aaron Rodgers has a broken thumb. Got to spend money, man. Well, you, you got to spend money. You got to you got you got to be aggressive each and every year. I mean, look what. But, but I tell you something else, you got to do too. It's an organization that, for all the talk about the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, how about you try winning a playoff game at home? Because I, I believe that has undone them every single year, I mean, including last year in the first round of San Francisco of all teams. I mean, it's you work so hard to get that. It's supposed to be one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. What gives? They can never win there in January. No, it's not anymore. Other teams have... Michael, Michael Vick was the first quarterback to win a game in Lambeau Field in the postseason. But since then, they... I mean, they... I mean, Favre lost to the Giants in the NFC Championship game there. Rodgers lost to the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game there. Kaepernick beat him in a divisional playoff game. I think the Giants beat them in another, maybe an NFC Championship game, or maybe one game short of divisional playoff. Anyway, the, I worked there for a while. In, in the, Green Bay? In, the, in Green Bay. 95, 96, 97, and the 98 seasons. If you would have asked, I, I thought... I thought a playoff game at Lambeau Field, Bernsey, was an automatic W. The weather, the atmosphere, the fact the Packers are usually used to playing in that Mm -hmm. kind of slop and cold and wet and snow. And just the atmosphere at Lambeau Field is unbelievable. Yeah. I would have thought, if you would have told me that they couldn't win a playoff game at Lambeau Field, you know, 25 years later, I would have said you were nuts. But they can't do it. They can't do it. And Aaron Rodgers, for all his greatness... He short circuits a little bit. I mean, how many NFC Championship games has he lost? Aaron Rodgers. I think he's lost four. I, I, it's maybe five. I, I think it may even be five. I'll, it's that's unbelievable. They always and and that window that they had of the three straight thirteen win seasons and home field advantage to not take advantage of that at all. That's going to rue the day. They're gonna, and then of course college football this weekend. The rivalry games, you know, we got ASU U of A coming up on Friday, which you know doesn't have any significance towards anything other than you know it's it's you know fan bragging fan bragging rights, rights for yeah. two seasons that have gone sideways. Of course, U of A has been a little bit better than most people were expected, and we'll see what ASU does with their job. The big games are going to be Ohio State, Michigan, and then USC Notre Dame. You tell me a very sad story. How for the first time since two thousand and four, you're not going to be I'm not going to be in the Coliseum. USC yeah. Notre Dame in the Coliseum. Yep. It's the first time in nearly 20 years you're not able to go to that game. Well, Burns, I, yeah, I, I wept for you, my I friend. I am on the air here, bright and early Sunday morning. The people need to hear my Cardinal pregame takes. I couldn't leave them hanging. <laughs> there you, know, you go. Blaming it on the people. Yeah, the people, the people need to hear what I have to say. But yes, that has been a post-Thanksgiving tradition for me. Uh, it's every other year, obviously, not every year. Yeah. Uh, but to go to California, have Thanksgiving in California, 
um, or, or leave the day after on the Friday and go to that game at the Coliseum. That's tailgate. I met Rudy in the two, uh, the 2012 game. We were tailgating. And Sean Aston or Rudy? No, no, the Rudy. The, the Rudy, okay. Not, not Sean Aston. Nope, nope. He didn't roll himself into the t- tailgate. Uh, Rudy, Rudy was there, and I got a picture and everything with Rudy in 2012. Sorry, you're not going to be able to go. When we come back, the game that everybody is aching to hear Tim Ring do the pregame coverage for will be on Sunday when the Cardinals take on the Chargers and Kyler Murray. Is this the week he makes his return? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show.